0: we thank you for the truth your word is truth and your word has power your word transforms us your word releases the kingdom of heaven into our lives changes our circumstances strengthens our hearts even brings healing brings encouragement father we thank you and we pray that as we focus on your word and we focus on your heart behind your word that you would bless us this morning in Jesus name we pray Amen. Amen. So we're doing a series on Philippians, and last week we focused on the servanthood of Christians that's based on the servanthood of Jesus, who serves out of sonship, that heart, that attitude. And in fact, Jesus Christ came not to be served, but to serve. When you look at Jesus Christ, you see the Father, He's the express image of the Father. Talks about that in Hebrews. Talks about that elsewhere. Right? So we see a Father God who comes to his creation not to bring judgment, but to bring mercy. Right? Not to punish, but to bring blessing. To bring liberation. We're going into Philippians. We'll go to chapter 1. Verse 1 Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So he's addressing Christians specifically in this church, believers. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to focus specifically on grace from that text. What is grace? Anybody have any thoughts? What is grace? Grace. Getting what we don't deserve, okay? It is that. Anything else? Okay, so there's a supernatural power that is grace. Getting what we don't deserve, good things. Any other thoughts on that? God's power to become who He already says you are. Okay. God empowering us to become who He created us to be, who He's declared us to be. And where does grace come from? Who is the source of grace? God the Father, right? Okay? So there's something called common grace, theologians call it. Okay, the sun sun rises and falls. The rain falls on the the just and the unjust, right? So there's a common blessing, there's a common grace just for, for being a person in this world. But there's something called saving grace, right? Saving grace. When you get revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He rose from the dead, and you confess him as your Lord and Savior, you repent of your sins, you enter into a covenant of grace, a unique covenant of grace. And Jesus Christ is the conduit of that grace, right? You enter into salvation, okay? And when you enter into that relationship with God, now the door is open to all these other graces that you did not have access to, but you now have access to it. Okay, Grace, undeserved favor, undeserved blessing, it's based on the goodness of God, the character of God that comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Is, is grace a one-time event? Somebody says it's constant. It is constant, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody experience God's grace this morning in some special ways? Okay. How does God release his grace to us? Any thoughts on that? We were worshiping this morning. Did anybody feel like an empowering their hearts were touched? Okay, so worship can be a conduit of grace. We prayed for some people. Do you think grace was released to those people that were prayed for? How about encouragement? Okay. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the charismata, right? Charis, that is the Greek word for grace. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit... That itself is all grace, right? So that that's we see power and grace becoming the same thing in that way. Do I have power to release the grace of God to other people? I do. Okay, so I don't want to see grace as something that's a static concept. I want to understand grace as something that is alive that's life-giving, that's dynamic, that's transferred from the kingdom of heaven and can be transferred through me and released into the people of God. So when the Apostle Paul says in this letter, grace and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, you know what I believe is happening? I believe literally in the spirit realm, if you could see in the spirit realm, when they read this letter, that supernaturally through those words, there was a transaction that happened that was supernatural. And there was a wave of grace and a wave of peace that rested on those believers that happened. When Paul was in California, it was about two, three weeks ago, I got this letter from him, and he was sharing how much his heart was affected by his affection for these believers. He pastored a church there for about 20 years or so, and he shared at that church. When I was reading this letter... There is a supernatural transaction that took place, and I started to weep. I felt the love of God. I mean, the love of God manifested, and through those words, there was a release into the Holy Spirit. And I was blessed, an impartation. So I believe that we have power as Christians to supernaturally release grace it's like we're we're connecting, we're grabbing our inheritance from the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That we can take those blessings, we can take our inheritance, an inheritance of Christians, and we can release it and impart it to people. Right? So something beautiful happened when they heard those words. There was a guy named Mike Just, who used to be a regular here. We don't see much of him anymore, but one of one of the great things that he would do is he would look at people and he would just start to, like, prophetically bless them, okay? And I think that he is a great example for us, for the kingdom of God, to step out in faith and practice that gift, okay? You guys like the idea of releasing blessing to one another? Okay, so I, I want to do this as just a little... A little experiment okay of exercising our authority so if you're comfortable try and connect with the heart of God right now we all have the Holy Spirit in us if we're believers right the supernatural God's in us and let's look at somebody and ask for God to give us our heart for them and let's release a blessing okay and it can be something like I release the grace and the peace of God to you it could be something more than that Okay, And I'll, I'll just start it. I'll just say it to you, okay? Is that all right? Okay. I release the love of God. I release the grace of God to you. I bless your heart. The Lord strengthen your heart. The Lord give you courage. The Lord give you peace. The Lord give you joy in Jesus' name. Okay? Now let's... Let's do that right now to one another. Okay, turn around, <laughs> look to your right or your left, and just release that kind of thing to each other. Can I have a yeah. Can you do my yes. yes. Cool. Yeah. yeah. You can do it right now. Blessing on you in your relationships. I release blessing and wisdom upon your mentoring others. And this discernment and understanding in the businesses that you put your hands to. I release favor upon you. And also strength and this deep connection with your heart. Okay, we're gonna transition out of that. I'm just gonna ask you as you did this, did you? could could people feel like any supernatural power coming inside of them did you feel like you were strengthened in any way shape or form can anybody say there was some l- supernatural life that was released into me okay some some can say yes okay so i i'm hoping that that is not a one time event for us i'm hoping that that becomes something that becomes normal for us okay We need to understand who we are in Christ. We need to understand we are ambassadors that release the kingdom of God Mm -hmm. through blessing other people. Just some ideas of of means of grace. Uh, Reading the Bible, giving somebody a hug, as we said, worshiping God, hearing the word of God, Um, the ministries that we see in the Bible, the, the teaching, the evangelism, and all those different types of ministries, people operating in the gifts. Um, God even releases grace to me through movies at times. He'll speak to my heart through movies. He'll teach me. Um, I'll, I'll be out in nature, and there's just such a joy. It's like the presence of God is with me, and I'm, I'm just getting strengthened through his creation. Okay, so there, there are a lot of different means by which God releases His grace into our lives. Going on in Philippians, we're jumping to verse 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. Mm -hmm. Verse 4, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Do you see a businessman there? Do you see like somebody who, who is emotionally disconnected to his flock? Now he's an apostle over this congregation, right? He's not like the, the main pastor, right? He's he established that congregation, now he's releasing more blessing and encouragement and instruction to them. Do you see a lot of tender emotion here? I see a dad. I see a loving dad. I see a close friend who's very connected to his heart, who's very emotionally vulnerable, and who really values relationship. Do you see that? Right. You, you, there are Christian leaders who are very good preachers, but they're emotionally distant. Right. And it looks to me like Paul values relationship above a lot of other things. He probably values relationship above ministry. I think that the two things that drive him in life, if you look at all of his epistles, you look at his heart, is his relationship with Father God, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and his relationship with people. Right? If, if you were to give him a yacht or a, a mansion, he probably wouldn't get too excited. The Bible says God gives us all things to enjoy, so I'm not saying these things are bad or anything like that. But what I am saying is that Paul got it. When it comes to what truly brings us joy, well, being loved and loving others, being loved by God, loving God, brings joy, and there's no no coincidence that the two greatest commandments revolve our own love. We're made in the image of God. We're designed to love. And if we're not giving and receiving love, you know what? We're not gonna have much joy. We're we're gonna be pretty dissatisfied. So Paul here is very emotionally present with his congregation, and he talks about praying with joy, right? As he's connecting to them, as he's valuing them in his heart, and he's investing in them and blessing them through prayer, as he's serving them, that brings him joy. Paul, would you say that serving the flock brings you joy? Absolutely, it does. Would you say it's one of the main things that brings joy in your life? It is. It is, okay? So not doing it out of duty, but doing it out of delight, out of love. Serving people like that is so awesome, and it truly brings joy. Do you think it brings joy to Father God to serve his children? Yeah, I believe so. I believe that's very true. So now we're going to switch to verse 6, but before we do it, there's a little song that Paul is going to lead us in. For this song. It's probably Paul's favorite song in the whole wide world. Nah. It might be. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He who began a good That was fun. Thanks Paul for doing that. (laughs) I think it's one of the most important verses in the Bible. And I'll tell you why. Because in it, God is taking ownership for our salvation. He's taking ownership for our sanctification. Sanctification is being conformed into the image of Christ. Right? It doesn't say he might complete it. It's not open ended. It's not uncertain. It is, oh, it's the word is will, which means certain. It's certain he's going to complete it. So if the grace of God invaded my life and that grace enabled me to see Jesus for who he was, and I said, yes, it's my choice, my will, but only because his grace came to me in that manner, I'm saved. I enter into this covenant relationship now. And according to this verse, I'm just starting, I'm walking down that road that is the road of salvation, I'm going to end up in the right place. I've met with people before who have had their salvation, their sense of salvation, their sense of being under the grace of God severely attacked to the point where they are being tormented. And I believe some of these people have been literally tormented by demons. And they're afraid that God is going to reject them. God doesn't want them. They screwed up. They looked at something they shouldn't have again. They made another wrong choice. And they're so under condemnation. They're so under fear. They're so terrified. They're not grounded in this promise. Right? They're being tossed to and fro. There have been times in my life where my sense of salvation has been severely attacked. And I know it's... A battle. I know that something's opposing me. Has anybody ever had that experience where it's like your salvation is being attacked? Your sense and not literally your salvation, but your sense of being saved. And there's a big difference there, obviously. So if that happens to us, we need to fight back with the word of God, the sword, the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? I'm gonna just do a prayer right now for anyone. I mean, Sometimes these are sensitive things, but there might be people here now who feel their salvation is is being attacked. So I'm just going to pray. Father, we just declare that Jesus Christ took on all of our sins. He paid it all. We're under a covenant of grace, not of works. All of our sins are paid for, past, present, future, through the one act, through the perfect life. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ he is in heaven all of our sins have gone to the cross they are paid for the wrath of God is satisfied on the cross we have a clean slate and not only that but the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been given to us when God sees us he legally sees the perfect score of Jesus the merit of Jesus Christ we are clothed with Christ we are legally in Christ we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And if there's any spirit that is attacking anybody's sense of salvation, that's generating any sort of fear, father, any sort of doubt, any sort of attack, we just command it to go right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we stand against it in the authority of who Jesus Christ is and who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So, he began it. He's going to finish it. When I screw up, i got to look to Jesus. I may have a victory this morning in preaching by the grace of God, but I'm not going to look to that victory. I'm not going to look to my defeat. You know, if I, if I have some sort of a defeat, a moral defeat, whatever that looks like, or in my mind, I'm not going to look to my successes or to my failures. I'm going to look to Jesus I've got to look away from myself and realize that's my victory. That's my salvation. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, right? That's where I have to look. And if I look unto Christ and I see who he is for me and what he's done for me, then I'm going to be secure. If I look at myself, I'm falling back into works righteousness, Right? Some of us fall back into that mindset. We fall back into works righteousness. Oh, God's going to be happy with me because I did this right. God is going to turn himself from me because I made this mistake. That is not Christian thinking. That's legalism. And that's death. The law of the letter kills. Right? God calls us to live a life of love. Live a life of love and that love relationship with God and others. And that is the source. That is what empowers us empowering the Holy Spirit and that love to live a life that honors the Lord. The reality is sometimes we look like Jesus and sometimes we don't, right? Parts of us are being sanctified. Parts of us have yet to be sanctified. I can look at my life and say, where I was five years ago, I have a lot more victory in different areas of my life. My character in certain ways is a lot more Christ-like. There's a lot more patience. There's, there's a lot less reactionary things going on. There's a lot more understanding. There's a lot less criticism and judgment in the way I think. Right. So if you see that sanctification going on in your life, it's evidence, you know what, I'm his, I'm his child, and he's transforming me, and I need to be gracious with myself. Or I'm still struggling. I need to show myself the grace that God's showing me. I'm under grace. I can't be legalistic towards myself. And it doesn't mean that I indulge in sin and say, that's okay, that's not the attitude I'm saying. But I am saying to be gracious and kind with yourself and look to Jesus to give you the strength to transform you into his image. God shows us from before the foundation of the world. That's Ephesians 1. Philippians 2.12 says work out your salvation with fear and trembling It goes on to say for it is God who is working in you It doesn't say preserve your salvation In fear and trembling it says work it out In other words process What God has purchased for you through Christ Sanctification is something that God does for us But we cooperate with him in that sanctifying work some of us are going to look a lot more like Jesus than others in the body of Christ because some of us are really going after him. Some, some people are going to escape as though barely through the flames. Paul talks about that. They're not going to have much to show Father God as far as fruit in this world. But those of us who take the kingdom seriously and take a holy life seriously and take love seriously, we're going to have a lot to show. And I when I come to heaven... We're all gonna just think we're all gonna be there before the face of Christ. We're gonna see the face of love, right? I wanna have a lot to show him and to say, I stewarded well the life you gave me in this world. Right? I wanna be proud of the life that I live. And Paul talked about a legacy last Tuesday at Communitas. I want there to be a godly legacy, not only in this world, but eternity wise. I want there to be a lot of eternal fruit because of the choices I made every day. Just going back to fighting the flesh, okay? We are in this body. Our bodies are going to be glorified. When that happens, we're not going to have to fight sin anymore. We're not going to have to fight the lust of the flesh. But as long as we're in this flesh, we have to realize, no, we're not legally slaves to sin anymore. Sin is not our master, but our flesh is going to want to sin. There are cravings, there are lusts, there are desires of the flesh that we have to fight. And yes, we have a power in the Holy Spirit to overcome that stuff, but to think that we're not going to fight and not going to war is unrealistic. Okay? We have to acknowledge this is the life that we are living as Christians. There is an, an internal war that happens within us. So what happens when we fall short, Romans 8.1, the Bible says there is therefore no, no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus. So if the flesh wins a battle, if I beat myself up and shame myself and God hates me and I'm a piece of dirt, do you think that's going to help anything? It's going to help the kingdom of darkness, right? Shaming myself if I screw up, beating myself, that is going to bring more damage. That, remember, Jesus paid it all, I, the wrath of God is not coming on me. The wrath of myself against myself is not biblical. What I need to do is declare Romans 8.1 and say there's no condemnation. I have a clean slate. And if there's thoughts of rejection, self-hatred, condemnation, I command those things to leave. I look to Jesus and I move forward. C.S. Lewis talks about sin. Think about your sin as long as it takes to confess it and then move on. You know, And if there's somebody that you need to... If you need to repent, if you hurt somebody, then you need to repent and hurt them and ask for forgiveness. And if you need to reconcile, then reconcile. But then you move on under the grace of God. Right? We are saints who struggle with sin. We're not sinners who sometimes do good works. We are legally saints. Thank you. Verses 7 and 8. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since... I have you in my heart. Paul loves these people so much, he describes them as having you in my heart. So they have a special place in his heart. For what, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So again, this guy is like pouring out his affections for the Philippian believers. He is really emotionally attached to them. He's really bonded to them. They affect the way he feels. That's how vulnerable he's become, and that's what real love looks like. It's like, you know what, I'm going to love you so much, I'm going to let you in my heart. I'm going to expose myself. Right? And, and loving like that, if things go awry, it means pain. You know, you love somebody, you make yourself vulnerable, it might hurt. That's just the way it goes. But if you choose to be intimate with others in healthy, godly ways, boy, does it bring joy and satisfaction. As we see a lot of joy here. Whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, and he is in chains. He is in in jail right now, the Apostle Paul, because of the gospel. There are Christians all over the world right now who are being slaughtered, Because they're Christians. They're being killed. They're being jailed. They're being imprisoned. There are countries where it's illegal to be a Christian. It's illegal to share your faith, right? Think of ISIS. They're beheading Christians. They're beheading Christian kids because they won't deny Jesus Christ. So some people are really suffering for the gospel, right? And Paul, his call as an apostle is to set people spiritually free to liberate them. Now he's physically in bondage. Ouch. But it's a worthwhile trade, right? And sometimes we suffer for the gospel. I've known people that have lost their jobs, that have been persecuted, rejected by their families because they choose Jesus. You ever meet anybody like that? Okay, they're out there. So the reality is the gospel, being a Christian in this world, isn't all fun and games. You go to the Middle East, you get your head chopped off right praise god for the freedom and liberty liberty we have in this culture to be christians but you know i've been persecuted for my faith i know what it's like it's rough but it's worth it and even if i was in chains if i knew jesus and if i knew where i was heading for eternity i would i would take the chains so John Bunyan, I believe, was a guy who was a, a preacher in England. When, when they were not accepting the true gospel, he's preaching the true gospel. They put him in prison, and they said, "All you got to do to take care of your wife and kids is to stop preaching the gospel. Then you can just leave." He didn't choose to leave because he's not going to stop preaching the gospel. He wrote the Pilgrim's Progress. His wife and his kids were on the line, but he chose Christ and the gospel and being faithful to God's call in his life, even above the comfort and well-being of his life and kids and his own relational preferences. That's quite a sacrifice. Verse 9 is a very important verse. It says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So they're loving people, but he wants love to be wed married uh, unified with knowledge and insight now in my naivety growing up as a christian i've been loving but i would say that i've done acts that were out of love that were actually not constructive because they were not done in knowledge or discernment i mean well but the fruit isn't always that great Right, so love is more than a gooey feeling, right? If if somebody, if somebody is, like, say you're on the street and there's somebody whose breath smells of alcohol and they ask you for money, and they're homeless, well, love would say give something to them, but wisdom would say if I give them five bucks, they're probably going to buy more alcohol and I'm going to enable their, their addiction. I'm loving them, but my love is gonna hurt them the way I dispense their love. Maybe the right way to love them is to say, could I buy you a meal? Or to give them a a gift card to a restaurant. That is applying wisdom and knowledge to your love, right? Now think about relationships. If I'm loving somebody in my family or I'm mentoring somebody, is loving them doing whatever they want making them feel good? No, no. (laughs) love in wisdom and knowledge has boundaries love says no at times love needs to say no for the well-being of other people loving people goes beyond their feelings it goes beyond doing what they want you to do it's understanding what they need and maybe they need boundaries maybe their life depends on it i housed a really nice young guy that i mentored for almost a year he was an addict. He was an alcoholic. He had a really good heart, but he was a slave to his addictions. And I came to the realization that I don't have the resources to, st- to stop this, to help this guy. I came to the conclusion that he does not have the, the freedom or the control over his own life to steward his freedoms, and the only way I can help him is to try and get him an inpatient treatment. Well, one day he came back to the house, and I made this rule, of, if, if I see you drunk in this house, you have to leave, He, like, mixed meds with alcohol, and he started to collapse right in front of me. I called the police. They called the ambulance because I was really afraid for his life. They took him to the hospital. They pumped his stomach. Okay? He could have died. And then I saw him a few days afterwards, and when I saw him, his heart was broken, and he felt that I betrayed him. He didn't want anything to do with me. Okay? Then a few weeks passed. He ended up going to inpatient treatment, and then his perspective changed. He's like, Bob, I know that you loved me. I know that what you did was right, and I, pr- I could very well be still alive because you did the tough thing, right? That was hard for me to do. That was painful. But it's what he needed. That is loving people in wisdom and in discernment. Okay, and we're going we're gonna to finish this by talking a little bit about discernment. Now, discernment is discerning what is good from what is evil. Okay? Something righteous from something unholy, something good from something bad, something constructive from something destructive. In 1 Corinthians 12:10, we see there's actually a gift of discernment. So there is an empowering of the Holy Spirit, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit that enables you to discern between spirits. And we see people in the New Testament operating in this. We talk about Paul who encounters this fortune-telling um, spirit, but the spirit's not fortune-telling um, in this little girl. When, when he's establishing the church of Philippians um, in that whole storyline, that girl is not saying something that sounds demonic. That girl is actually saying, these people are, are leading you to the way of the Most High God. That spirit is literally, like, if I didn't have a discernment of spirits, I'd think that might be the Holy Spirit. I would, because that's what the Bible's all about. I mean, that spirit's literally pointing to the gospel. It doesn't sound like the practice of a demon to me, and I believe, very likely, you know, it, it describes the spirit as a spirit of Python, and it talks about her doing this for days and days, that Paul discerned, he realized, It might look good on the outside, and the words might be right, but the spirit behind this is wrong, and it grieved him. And he realized that this was a demon that was basically pointing to the gospel, which, again, that doesn't make sense to us, and he commanded it to leave. Okay, Discernment. Like you you look at Paul, who feels led to pray for certain people. How is God moving? This idea of discernment of spirits. Okay, the Holy Spirit's a spirit. I have the gift of discernment. I know others have the gift of discernment. And you can be in a room, you can be in a place, and you can know if there are angels moving. You can know if God wants to to move in healing or prophecy or if he really wants to deal with heart issues like healing rain. I believe Paul had discernment. God wants this song. This is what God's doing in the season. This is definitive for what God is going to be doing over the next months. And when that song was being played, I felt the strongest anointing. And I don't know if anyone else can identify with that. Okay. Okay, so he did too. So I would say that's evidence of a discernment gift. That's evidence of a discernment gift. Okay? And when I, when I look at people, when I see how people are operating, um, I was I ministered to a guy uh, this past week, and I looked at him. And the Lord told me, I, I just said to him, I said, I believe your mom has unresolved hatred towards men. I believe that she emasculated you. And I ministered to him, and as I was saying these things, he said, you're right, you're right, you're right. So everything that I was seeing was right. I could see how, how uh, f- spirits, bad spirits, and through people's sin, his mother's sin, damaged him. And I could see um, in the spirit realm things that were on him. And I commanded those things to leave. And I had him forgive his mother for those certain things. And then I release a blessing. You know, Levi talked about seeing people for who they really are. I release a blessing. I bless his manhood. I bless his masculinity. I release that blessing. Right? So I'm operating in a gift of discernment. And I'm applying that gift in a very constructive and a very loving way. And I believe we're going to see a lot of stuff happen, a lot of good Holy Spirit stuff in the next season. And I believe there's a- already some greater release that's happening. It's starting to, to trickle, I would say that. But I believe we desperately need the gifts of discernment. The Bible says, you know, those, those who, who eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially that you may prophesy, that we need to ask for discernment. Matthew 24 24 talks about the end times, and it says that the spirits are going to be so close. There's going to be false Christ, false prophets, and it's going to be so close. It's going to look so close how these people are operating supernaturally. They're not going to be talking about uh, um, uh, false gods, they're going to be talking about Jesus. Christians aren't going to be deceived unless it looks like the right thing. Right? And First John 4 1 talks about testing the spirits. It's a mandate, it's a command that we test the spirits. And if we think we're hearing from the Holy Spirit, well, let's just not assume we're hearing from the the Holy Spirit. Let's test it. Let's test it with the Bible, right? Let's let's apply the methods of Scripture to see, is this voice really of God? I've heard voices that try to act like they're God and they're not God. I've had dreams. I have so many prophetic dreams. Almost every night I have prophetic dreams. But do you know how many times I've had ones that look so close like the real but they're not like the enemy is literally trying to deceive me with a false word of knowledge a false angel a false jesus a false god so i really need this discernment gift and if people are prophetic here if people want to grow in the prophetic then i i urge that you pray and seek after that discernment gift okay so i'm going to pray for that right now that's how we're going to finish this I'm just going to just ask if you want discernment to discern a gift, just raise your hands. Just raise it to the Lord. Because God wants us to be equipped as his people. He wants us to be equipped. He doesn't want us to be deceived. He wants us to be equipped to liberate and help other people. And, and to fight the good fight and to stand against the kingdom of darkness. So, Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ came from on high. He came from on high and he gave gifts unto men and women he gave gifts we thank you that your holy spirit is in us god we thank you that you empower us and father we pray that especially that you would release this morning discernment gifts and for those of us who don't have those gifts or maybe they're they're there but they're just they're smaller they're they need to be developed father we pray for a release and increasing of the gift of discernment father that spiritual eyes and ears would be open, that we could see what is from you and what is not from you, that darkness would be exposed. Father God, in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Okay. I was praying a lot last night and a bit...